The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This is Soulful Living on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Terry Williams. Hey, wherever you are in the world today, I welcome you to another 30 minutes of Soulful Living here at Empower Radio. Y'all know I love most things mystical and, of course, shamanic. As a shamanic practitioner, I am always searching for connections, insight, tools, really, that will enhance my own practice first for myself and then for my clients, for for the rest of the world, right? Uh, Social media is one of the avenues that I love to connect on. And most of the time, I'm not even sure how I begin following someone or how they follow me. Uh, Most of the time, I'm really excited that they do. And that is definitely the case with my guest today. C.L. Grove, I must say uh, it was probably divine intervention or as we dig deeper in today's show, a knowing, right, that we just needed to connect. Uh, C.L. is a traditionally trained and initiated shamanic practitioner. I'm literally reading that from her uh, about on her page, but she's an artist who created an absolutely amazing deck. I think it's amazing. It's titled The Knowing. Uh, which again, we're going to talk about, but before that, you're going to have to hear from CL. So welcome to Soulful Living, CL. Thank you, Terry. It's so great to be here. I loved your bout. I have chills from head to toe. And as I've already told you a few times, I really love your deck. We'll get into that later. I want the listeners to hear more about you and Mm. how you came to the shamanic practice. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, it's odd. I was actually thinking about that this morning because I assumed you would probably ask me that question. And I was <laughs> reflecting on just how long it's been. I It was about 11 years ago. Um, I was actually working in a yoga studio in Vancouver. And uh, this man called and said, uh, I have a huichol medicine man who's come up from Mexico. And would you like him to come in and do sessions or just offer some insight? And so we said yes. And he came into the studio and um, I had had a pretty uh, different life before previous to working in this yoga studio. And so I was just kind of entering into the spiritual world and exploring this sort of aspect of myself. And this man came in and looked at me and he said, you're not supposed to be here. This is not the medicine that you're supposed to practice. And he was very adamant that I was supposed to have a healing with him. And I was like, "Ah, I don't really know. And this whole shamanic thing seemed kind of strange and dark to me at the time. And, um, so he he came to me in a dream. Uh, I think it was that night or the following night. 
um, as a Jaguar. And I didn't know it at the time that this was his his other, basically, or his dream form. And then came back, he his physical form, he came into the store the, the following day and he said, okay, I came into your dream. Like, do you believe me now? And I was still like, nah, I don't really know. This seems so strange. So I just kind of walked away from that incident thinking, you know, interesting, but I don't know how to follow this. And then um, about six months later, I moved to San Francisco to go to the California Institute of Integral Studies there to do my master's degree. And a couple months into that program, got a really random phone call from this woman who was in the school. And she said, I need to meet you. I have a message for you. And so she told me to meet her at this coffee shop. And I arrived and she had all these presents for me. And she said, Spirit has told me I'm supposed to teach you. And she said, I don't want to teach you. I don't feel like being a teacher. She said, I've never taken a student before. She's from Bolivia. And uh, but she said, you know, this is this has been told to me. And so I started studying with her um, and continued for about the five years that I was down there. So um, I, I don't think I was a particularly good student. Quite honestly, I was a bit of a pain in the ass. Excuse me. Is that OK? <laughs> if I say that yes, it's, it's OK. okay. Yes. <laughs> um, just because uh, I was a biologist previous to that and then uh, a makeup artist actually and I had like I say a very different past but a very skeptical kind of person and so a lot of the um, ceremonies and practices that I did with her I was you know kind of dragging my heels most of the time so um, but I was very very lucky to have she was an amazing teacher um, and then I've had since uh, a Haida dream healer one of the last of the Haida um, traditional medicine men uh, who I got to study with he's based in Victoria and then a Lakota teacher down in um, California as well and uh, a woman in Ashland Oregon uh, Pamo Yangchap who is a traditional Tibetan sound healer so I've been very lucky very gifted with great teachers so and isn't it funny when we have somewhat of a Mm, I don't know, rational, practical <laughs> sense that even when that stuff hits us in the head, we're like, oh, that's just a coincidence or that really, you know, we minimize the value and the experience of the mystic. Yeah. We oh, minimize yeah. it and yeah. we fight yeah. it, like you said, <laughs> you know. Well, it, you know, and I mean, that's the, the I love science and I love the scientific perspective, but it also becomes a great limitation when it doesn't allow you that contact with what you cannot logically or cerebrally explain, you know, that there are these, I, I had experiences with my teacher, my Bolivian teacher, that it blew my mind. I mean, they still blew my mind to this day, you know, because she was a, she's an oracle. She's actually, she is the oracle for the Dalai Lama when he comes over. Like she's unbelievably powerful mm -hmm. and she would see me like she, and she'd tell me this and I go, no, nah, you don't really. And she'd say, no, you were walking on a beach with this tall man. And I'd go, I was doing that. Like, how do you know these things? You know, and my brain couldn't wrap around those experiences. And so I discard them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, I think people, we do this a lot of the time because it feels a lot safer and because it's this sort of culturally supported perspective, but it just, it limits our life experience so immensely because there's so much 
magic happening all the time. And it doesn't, I, I mean, I, I firmly feel like I, I live with one foot in both worlds where I still consider myself a scientist and I appreciate the scientific perspective immensely, but I love the dream world and the magic and, and the shamanic practice, you know, which is largely unexplainable a lot of the time. Boy, I'm right there with you. And when people ask me, uh, first of all, when people say, well, what do you do for a living? And, I'm, and I say, well, I live. You know, I, I live. That's, <laughs> That's what I do job. right now. I'm living. Um, but I, I almost always tell people, well, I feel like I have one foot in this reality and one foot in non-ordinary reality. And I have a similar uh, experience and introduction to the, to the mystic as you, like somebody literally just knocked on my door mm-hmm. and, um, you know, that's a whole nother story, but, but that was my introduction. So I can appreciate where you were when you were like, mm, no, even yeah. though you came into my dream last night, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not giving up everything. I, I ha- was a mathematical, um, I had a mathematical background, you know, oh, CPA oh. and blah, blah, blah. And, it was definitely the farthest thing from my mind to jump into this mystical, magical realm. Yeah. And there is so much magic out there. Everything is magic. Like I was telling a client this morning that prayer is a form of magic to me. Mm -hmm. Right. I said, you just call it something different. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it is. And and it, it, the, what I see in clients, and I'm, I, I would imagine that you probably encounter this a lot. Um, I work with uh, a lot of people with, you know, heavy depression and anxiety and addiction issues and stuff. And it's so foundational to the development of those conditions that they're they're not able to contact the magic, you know. And and this mm-hmm. is the the difficulty of the Western healing perspective is saying, okay, well, what we need are, you know. I don't know, medications or whatever, like on a more sort of physical fundamental level that are going to fix people. But it's really the contact with, with spirit and with, with the unknown and, and the, the mystical aspects of existence that give people this other form of, of meaning to their life, you know, and, and I, I didn't have that. I mean, I, I really, I spent about eight years of my life very heavily medicated and very depressed and, and it was all just a loss of that. So yeah, when it came knocking on my door, I was like, "Mm, this seems a little crazy because I had no, no understanding of how important it was. Mm -hmm. Well, and one of the things that I'm listening to is no understanding. We didn't, I don't know about you, but I really didn't have teachers. So growing up, you didn't have somebody that was willing to introduce you to those different aspects. I didn't. I might have experienced many things at a child. And for the most part, my family would say, "Mm, don't pay attention. She's imagining totally. things. You know, totally. she's, <laughs> she's just imagining things. And I would be like, mm, this doesn't feel like my imagination. No. Yeah. And then so as real. we dig deeper, we realize, no, it's not our imagination. And yeah, I mean, we were taught from Western culture or from society around us to to take something, to medicate, to become an alcoholic, an addict. I mean, I certainly followed that path. I didn't know how to deal with all this stuff. So congratulations to you for saying yes. Thank you. Right. And being open to (laughs) this, to this new, to this new old magic, this new ancient 
way of living. It has worked for our ancestors for thousands upon thousands of years. And mm-hmm. we are seeing this resurgence of it working for all of us. Mm-hmm. And, a, and a new, you know, an, a new evolution of it, a new incarnation of it, where <laughs> it is, you know, this ancient medicine and these, these ancient knowings. And yet, um, I mean, my teachers, both my teachers, Pomo, who um, was my teacher's teacher as well, she was the Tibetan um, nun originally, but she uh, would say, you know, we need this this living medicine that is not going to look exactly like it was before. We can't. We are we are different. You know, we're in a different state of our own evolution as a species. But we have these clues about how what pieces need to come together to be appropriate for, you know, human beings that are existing on the planet right now. And it feels. I mean, I I know that you know it, the new medicine is not going to just abolish science and and the way that Western medicine functions, there's beautiful aspects of it. And it's, it's in the integration of these spiritual practices and the re um, connection with these old knowings, you know, but bringing them into a modern context that feels it's just so exciting to be a part of right now. Well, in in ways that we can merge it, I had a physical last week and it was with a brand new doctor and she asked me what I did. (laughs) What do you do for a living? (laughs) And I'm like, "Mm, okay. I said, well, do you want to know about my earth job or do you want to know about the one I do up there? And I pointed up and she's like, (laughs) she said, "Mm, tell me about that one up there. (laughs) Okay. And And so I shared some things with her and I said, and obviously I see the value in Western medicine or I wouldn't be here. Right. I said, it is emerging. I said, that's what we need to do is we need to merge, you know, both practices in order to truly heal. And she was so open to it. And I'm finding more people are in medical professions. As long as you are not the, not, um, standing on the side of uh, the ethereal is the only way to heal, right? If you, if you poo poo Western medicine, then you're going to have an issue. But if you present it with, we can merge this, then it's a a whole new thing. And I think that that's where we are going. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like you said, this is a new way to move through it. Mm-hmm. With, with immense humility on both sides, you know, because I, as I'm sure you've encountered, I encounter spiritual practitioners who I'm like, nah, you think you're putting too much weight in in what you can accomplish here, and and like you say, poo pooing something that could be really rather beautiful for this person's healing process, for your healing process, you know, and mm-hmm. and um, I was actually listening to a podcast with. Uh, Sam Harrison, I can't remember who his guest was, but they were just talking about the limitations of Western science and medicine, you know, and and doctors recognize that they know the limitations of the tools that they have. And it's it's through humility of everybody coming to the table and saying, here's where I know I can give something and where I have insight in medicine that is appropriate. And here's where I don't. Can you help me with this? And having that collaborative, non-egoic kind of approach to the healing process, you know, is I, I encounter it with doctors all the time. I encounter the opposite sometimes, too, you know, but, mm-hmm. you know, they, they were saying on this podcast that 20 percent of all doctors right now are you know, medicated themselves for depression and anxiety and everything because they feel frustrated, you know, it's, it's, it's not a, an easy practice by any means. And so if we all start coming to the, 
the the center and saying how do we support each other and acknowledge mind body spirit environment relationships all of these components of a a, a whole human's life as equally essential you know and and give, giving them all weight and spirit is where we haven't because it's it's so it's so amorphous and so difficult to say, okay, I can pin it down here. Here's what it is, right? It's direct revelation and mm-hmm. something that is so, it's difficult, you know, because we, we like surety and the more fearful we are. And this is, I think the uncomfortable thing that humans right now are encountering is that we're scared and we should be scared. You know, there's a lot of crazy things happening with the environment, but uh, that fear drives us into wanting more surety and wanting more concreteness, you know, and, and I don't, well, I'm quite certain that's not the way that we're going to get out of this, but um, the spiritual stuff does feel sometimes a little bit too um, nebulous, you know, too hard to pin down. Well, because there's nothing tangible that you can see totally. for, for the average person, right? I mean, yeah. for, for someone that is not immersed into this spiritual, mystical side of it, they can't see it. I mean, we mm-hmm. may see it in a vision or a dream. And to us, it's it's an avenue of reality. It's an aspect of reality because we have seen um, the dream world uh, effectively merge mm-hmm. with this reality. So yeah. we can see it, but most people can't. And no. yes, you, they are so fear-based right now. Um, boy, we could get on a whole nother conversation <laughs> about that. In totally. fact, we just might have to do that one day. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I don't want to get lost on that tangent, but yes, my gosh, it's, it, it is very fearful for so many people. And what I find, and I hope that you do in doing this work, uh, there's so much beauty. There's so much joy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much groundedness and connectivity and uh, raising your vibration and your awareness to the potential. And I loved what you said about treat the whole human, you know, mm-hmm. putting the ego aside and having this whole human because it's there's so many pieces to us mm-hmm. we are large we contain multitudes yes. we are so immense yeah it's a uh, it's it, it is my I mean I know you love your work I I love my work so much I am so blessed with the people that I get to work with I um, spend three days a week right now working for an indigenous Um, health organizations. So I work predominantly with First Nations people in Canada. And I mean, talk about being gifted to work with a group of people of the most powerful, resilient, deeply wounded, but like wise people that you can probably imagine. And Mm. yeah, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. I, people who, you know, say, Oh God, it's Monday and I have to go into work just make me feel pretty sad because like, I love, I love everything everything mm-hmm. that I get to do. So I want to come live with you and work yeah. with them and just immerse <laughs> oh, myself tragic. in that culture. I actually love Vancouver. I have not been, mm-hmm. my husband and I kind of, um, we creep it, we stalk it. We're like, okay, yeah. that's where we're going next. So, um, yeah, beautiful that you get to do that. And so many people dread it and you're, you're living that, you know, you're getting reflected back to you. So many beautiful things by being part of that culture. 
Yeah, and and the um, I mean, I I feel like you know the work of Gabor Mate and these people who have spearheaded in alternate compassion-based perspectives on people who are struggling with addiction and and violence and gangs and everything, you know, and seeing things through a, a very Buddhist light, you know, mm-hmm. but. It, the work is, um, I mean, I think Carl Jung talked about this, of like facilitating your own healing process by asking yourself, can I feel empathy for every person that I encounter? I mean, basically shadow work, you know, every day. And that's like the, the gift is I get these teachings and this opportunity to meet these beautiful people, but then also to expand my own heart space, you know, constantly by saying, can I understand this? You know, and, and a lot of the time I can't. And a lot of the time it's just, it's painful because the suffering is so intense, but it's like being witness and, and being gifted with that opportunity to witness that suffering is, is, you know, something I could have never imagined I'd be offered. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, it's, being that compassionate witness, learning to even admit to yourself, as you said, sometimes it's very, it's challenging for you to see it. And yet you stay with it until you can at least be compassionate. Totally. Yeah. And it's, it's like the, the healing I always say to clients is that, you know, your medicine is my medicine that like Mm -hmm. anything that I'm offering to you, I'm also offering to myself. And I mean, it's sort of agreed in that almost, but like that it's, it's so, um, I mean, collaborative, but also so mutually beneficial to, to all parties, you know, which feels so, and I think that's, that's what all human work actually should feel like, you know, Mm -hmm. and it can feel like that, you know, that I come from a family of musicians and, you know, they all, when they perform, it's like, yes, it's beneficial for them. They feel amazing. It's beneficial for everyone who's encountering the music. And like, that's, that's possible. And I, I, I feel like we sh- we need to be directing career counselors, you know, a little bit more in that direction to promote that with kids, that it's not just about personal gain or system gain, you know, but about finding that co- mutually beneficial cooperation. Mm, yes. Okay. So, um, that this has been an amazing conversation and I need to get to the guts of what I really wanted to talk about because we converse so much. We only have five minutes left. Okay. <laughs> I know it goes up by so fast. So fast. Doesn't it? Oh yeah, totally. Uh, so you created one of the most amazing I say Oracle decks. I'm I'm an Oracle card junkie, right? I, I have probably 30 decks. This has become my ultimate favorite, the knowing. Okay. And I love how you said it was conceived in 2012 when both you and your teacher received the same message that a deck was mm-hmm. on its way. And um that you created the images with a ballpoint pen, I have, <laughs> you know, I, I pull a card for myself. I messaged you about one of my journeys and mm. I've been journeying with them. They're amazing. I'm so grateful. And I originally went through the deck one card at a time, kind of sat with it. I was in utter shock when I got to the last card. <laughs> Listeners, I'm not going to say what that card is. You need to get a deck. This is good. Yeah, uh, you need to get a deck. Especially here in the U.S. That'll give you a hint. Um, But I I was blown away by that card. I literally stopped. And um, I've I've loved it. So it took you 
six years. Mm, yeah, it was a. I mean, it, it's a funny thing because as an artist, you know, I was, I've always been an artist, but I I did a degree in biology, and so I um I draw in ballpoint pen because I was always drawing when I was supposed to be taking notes in class, so that's what's familiar to me is is the ballpoint, and I mean some of the images because they're actually quite big, the real life images, so they some of them took me fourteen to sixteen hours to finish, so I you know, kind of bit off more than I could chew in taking on the art artistic kind of creative aspect of the deck. But I also had a lot of things happen. I had a kid, I, you know, moved, I had all sorts of things happen in that time. Um, but it also, it was like a divine timing thing of, of, I wasn't quite ready to put it out into the world. And, and then I really was all of a sudden, and it just like, boom, the whole thing came together and got them printed. And yeah, I mean, it felt so good to get it done because I've had these drawings around for, for just about seven years. So, well, and I love how you included various ways to connect with your own sense of knowing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, obviously I'm, I love the shamanic journey. So, but I, I love have loved every aspect of it and you go into detail on how people can connect and use the cards. Are there a few cards that uh, stand out more to you? Like, is there mm. one that has a particular meaning for you? Um, I mean, the first card in the deck, my, my ally, my other is uh I mean, my familiar is a, a coyote, so I'm a trickster. And that was one of the first teachings that my shamanic, my Bolivian teacher offered. And so the the medicine of, of coyote is very, very um, meaningful to me. Um, the interesting thing in the deck, like the, the soma cards, so all of this, the cards relating to the physical body are really very um, important to me. And, and I find I pull them into my practice a lot because I had an eating disorder for most of my adult life, um, various eating disorders. And people don't like to think of the physical body as being this, like, it's this conduit of, of immense spiritual intelligence and the sacred thing, you know, the guts, the liver, the kidneys. And so those cards are, yeah, really important to me. Mm. I, I, I actually picked the virus card today and ah. I found it was really interesting because I'm all about shifting your perspective. Yes. And I had that conversation with the client just before I drew that card. And I'm like, yeah, mm, yeah let's shift our perspective here. So, Ciel, totally. we're going to have to do this again. Oh, I uh, love that. I would, because I really want to dive into the deck. I loved the conversation. Me we too. had Thank a you. beautiful conversation. Uh, I invite my guests to leave the listeners with something that they can take out into the day to shift their perspective, elevate their mm -hmm. soul. What would that be for you? Mm, um, it's today, the message that I woke up with was to, to be ready for the new, you know, like uh, just to have this sense of Shoshin, as they call it in, in Zen practice, but beginner's mm -hmm. mind, you know, it mm -hmm. just felt like a day where I was like, I don't want to be restricted by, you know, what I've had in the past. And, and can I meet this day with no expectations or assumptions? Mm, I love that. Uh, listeners, you'll find all of CL's information here on the Soulful Living page at Empower Radio. The deck is called The Knowing, a shamanic deck of wisdom, and it is amazing. It's really one of the most powerful decks. So thank you, CL. Thank and you, I'll Terry. see you on the other side. Awesome. 
Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.